Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Backyard Politics, a show I affectionately call the Southwest Ohio Political Report. As a matter of fact, that's what the first name I actually had for the show, but Backyard Politics sounded a little bit more punchy. I'm your host and moderator, R.D. Kulik, and I welcome you guys all back again. In the few shows we've done, there's been a lot of great feedback on what you guys really, really like and some of the things you don't like. One of the things that everybody, or kind of the biggest thing they said they've liked is they've liked these roundtable discussions where we're going in to some of these issues and having some different opinions. And as we build this show out and we get more, we'll have more interviews, we'll build that part of the show out more, but especially in these early days and also with the general election going on, as a matter of fact, most of you will be first listening to this and Ohio will be voting. We start voting on October 6th, along with a lot of the rest of the country is already voting. I want to continue to have these roundtable discussions, and I could not do this without the my greatest roundtable-ease, roundtable buddies, and that's former Loveland City Councilwoman Pam Gross and CEO of Ion Community, and also reporter who's worked for a variety of different outlets and has now the From Cincinnati podcast and Loveland Local News, Joe Wessels. I brought them in because I wanted to talk about political corruption. In my experience as a lobby and working many, many campaigns, I know a lot about political corruption, a whole lot about it. And maybe one day I'll go into some more interesting stories. But this is about our region. Earlier in 2020, we had Cincinnati City Councilwoman Tamaya Denard get busted for a a bribery scandal. And she was indicted. It was a big, big story, big issue. She ended up having to resign her seat. And I know now there she made there's doing like a plea deal or some kind of plea bargain with it. And then also even around the same time, or a little bit before, this was near the tail of 2019, we had five members of the Cincinnati City Council get embroiled in a texting scandal, the gain of five, as they were known. They were basically breaking sunshine laws, and we'll go a lot more into this in the roundtable. And then the big one, just a few months ago, Speaker of the House of Ohio, Larry Householder, was busted with a $61 million bribery scandal that had to do with First Energy and House Bill 6 and all sorts of issues. And it wasn't just the former speaker. There's a couple of people embroiled in this, and that story is still developing. So I wanted to discuss kind of what effect this might have, if it has any effect whatsoever. And you're going to see in the roundtable that maybe we don't think it has as big of an effect as it should, but the idea evolves into our area really truly represented, I mean, even by our local politicians, is do we really have representation here? I, I sure as heck don't believe we do in Columbus. And we're going to talk how these bribery or how these scandals, these political scandals feed into our idea of that and maybe what can be done. I'm not going to do the commercial here. We're not doing any of that stuff. We're going to go right into the show itself. But I do have to say that this show is brought to you by Ion Community, E-Y-E-C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y.com. Go to the website, Guys, this is a great, great tool to get out to the people you want to talk with. This concept that we have basically developed called micro-podcasting, where you can talk directly to your audience, and you don't have to worry about the technical aspects or the how, how you're going to get those audiences and stuff. You just got to bring your message, and Ion Community will show you how to get that message out to people through this growing, I mean, the fastest growing media there is in podcasting. So. I do want to absolutely thank Ion Community for that. And without further ado, guys, I'm going to go right into the roundtable. Enjoy. Hello, all, and welcome to the roundtable portion of our show. We're doing things a little bit different because we're always doing things a little bit different. I think this is fourth or fifth show or whatever. And I've got 
I've got my Tony Randall and Peggy Noon in here. Hi. Reporter Joe Wessels. Am I Peggy? And, I'm going to be Peggy. Uh, you guys can argue that out. I'm, right? okay. I'm definitely Peggy. <laughs> Reporter Joe oh, okay. Wessels from Loveland. I don't Local. write as well as no. Peggy oh. does, though. And I'm going to remember now, former council, Loveland councilwoman Pam Gross is here <laughs> with us, too, because that gravitas means something. Joe's the guy that knows the reporters. Pam knows the politics of it. And I'm the guy that has a microphone in front of me. So before I do get to the topic at hand, I got a lot of great feedback from you two last time here, but I'm going to tell you something because it's, this is a timely show and in a timely matter I want you guys to know. While you may be debating, unlike other moderators out there in the world, I do have a mute button on here for each of your microphones. Oh, really? <laughs> Just so you all know, I want to make that clear. I'll never You're use not it. Chris's like unknown little brother, Ryan Wallace. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I, I will not, uh, obviously, I'm not going to mute you. That's just a kind of a st- uh, stupid, silly joke. But I want to talk about something that is really important, I believe, here locally. And it's representation. We go on, people talk about it all the time. This percentage is this and this and all this other stuff. I want to talk specifically about um, representation of the Cincinnati metro area up in Columbus and what that means. And the reason why I bring this up now is two kind of timely parts of this. One is the former Ohio Speaker of the House, Larry Householder, for those of you that don't know, along with the former, was Borges was a former head of the Ohio Republican Party. Is that correct? Former chairman? I think so, yes. yes. And a couple of lobbyists were recently busted on a $61 million bribery scandal. It's still ongoing. Uh, Householder is no longer the Speaker of the House. He is still in his seat, though, and he still sits on these committees, including the Legislative Ethics Committee. So let's uh, think of that one for a moment. I hear they're thinking about renaming that committee. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm sure they will. <laughs> but, I'm going to call it the committee now. Yeah, yeah, just just legislative committee. So I wanted to talk about how I think that is affecting us here in Cincinnati politically, which is almost next to nothing. I know the first time I brought it up to you, Pam, she said nobody around here cares about it, but I think there's a reason behind that. But also I want to go into some of our own little backyard political scandals that are going on with the, the gain of five, the texting, five Cincinnati council members. I know I'm going to get this wrong. I know P.G. Sittenfeld. I know Tamaya Denard, Chris Seelbach, Greg Landsman, and who am I missing? Wendell Young? Yeah, Wendell Young. Wendell Young. Okay. Yeah, right. I wanted to talk a little bit about that and what I believe is the problem with representation. So before I give it over to you guys, and Pam, I'm going to ask you about this one first. I think a big issue that we have here in our region is, for those that don't know, um, Cincinnati is the biggest economy in the state. We have, which means we have the highest GDP of anywhere in the state. We're the third largest metro area, but we're the tax donors of Ohio. And there are some political reasons why we're not the largest metro area. I mean, it's Columbus is not really a bigger city than Cincinnati. No, Columbus is a massive footprint, though. I mean, they they were able to annex for a long. This gets into sort of a side topic. They were allowed to annex. They annexed, and then Ohio, and, and then a law was passed mm-hmm. that prevented cities from annexing for water rights. And I don't know the specifics of it right here now, but that's why Columbus Columbus is basically Franklin yeah, County. It, it is, it is. But with the Cincinnati metro area, and you have Procter and Gamble, you have General Electric, you have Western and Southern Kroger, used to have Macy's. All of this stuff, Pam. I want to ask you this householder thing comes down a huge huge scandal and everybody's like this is going to just destroy the republican party do you think it's actually really hurting the republicans here no not at all and And i think part of it is because we're not no one's even hardly talking about it the story broke and then you had everybody running to do the story for a couple of days but then it's kind of basically disappeared which surprises me because i don't really understand why people are not 
concerned about. I mean, this was a $60 million bribe. It, it was a bribe and racketeering oh. case. I, I mean, legislation was yeah. pa- major I mean, legislation. The bottom passed. line is you bought off a bunch of legislatures, A, to put the guy in power to begin with so that he could be the Speaker of the House so that he could push through legislation to help funnel money to uh, the various groups that put him in power. So the idea that nobody seems to care or or it's a big yawn, I find the fact that you have a $60 million bribery and racketeering scandal that nobody seems to care about, that they basically yawn, I find it troubling that nobody really seems to really care about the integrity of the entire system because that's what it is. But the other thing is, is it's also not a party thing. I mean, I always thought, you know, with all the arguing that we do do every day between Republicans and Democrats, I thought that it was actually one thing that we all did agree on is that we would want honesty and integrity, you know, as part of our representation. I just, I don't understand. Now, I also put part of the blame not only on just the people themselves, but the other thing is, is that the news media, like I said, for the first couple of days, they ran around and did things and then they just left. And then we don't ever hear another story about it. And the thing is, is there's lots of pieces to it and there's lots of connections to it with local representation. And I would have thought that the media or whoever they are would be interested in kind of connecting those dots. Well, Joe, let me ask you this, because you've worked media in this town for a while. and So they, so they told me. Yeah. <laughs> one of the people that has been, I believe they've all been indicted now, but one of them that is part of this scandal is Matt Borges, yep. who used to be, was I believe he was the chief of staff or something to... He's pretty high up in the Dieters uh, treasurer's office. Yeah, when Joe Dieters was a state treasurer. Yeah. And that was, it was before he was the uh, the prosecutor. Was he, he the prosecutor, he, then he the treasurer? The prosec- uh, prosecutor treasurer then came back okay. and did the write-in against Fanon Rucker, who's right. now running for prosecutor right. against him, and they're both on the ballot. So, do you? I mean, do you have any idea of? And maybe I'm reaching on this in a lot of ways because we're talking about almost everybody involved in the scandal are more rural Republicans that are in the northern and the central part of the state. Is it just really that maybe the media here is not covering it because there's nothing to cover? No, I, I think. I have a little bit of theory. I'm thinking about, the, I mean, how far back I want to go with this. And in, in Cincinnati's sort of relationship with the rest of the state might have something to do with it. And kind of how Cincinnati identifies itself as opposed to how the rest of the state uh, uh, identifies that. And I, there's there's a couple ways you could look at this. One could be the Civil War where sort of Cincinnati was, is, was kind of more aligned with the South than it was with the North where the rest of the state were um, even just east of here. You know, there's a lot of abolition. There were abolitionists in abolitionists in Cincinnati, but it is a a mother, much more Cincinnati is a much more Southern identifying city than the rest of the state. So even you want to go now to like people in Cincinnati are not really even Ohio state fans where the rest of the state. Oh, I definitely am not. No, I mean, but it, it's not even, you, you don't hear about like, you hear it a little bit more now, but when I was a kid, no one cared about the Ohio state football team or the basketball team. Right? People are a little bit more into that. So I think Cincinnati's always been this sort of odd place. And it's also, for a long time, was the only metro area that sort of vote, was voted more conservative. It hit a much more conservative bent where the rest of the state's metro areas, Columbus, Cleveland for sure, Toledo, Youngstown, definitely voted Democrats. And so Cincinnati was a sort of different little place. Now, the Inquirer which has really been the newspaper record for a long time, and the Post, where I where I worked at the tail end of its existence, they didn't cover the state very well. When when Joe Dieters did his thing in Columbus, 
it was he was able to come back here and run for prosecutor as a write-in candidate against another write-in candidate, Fanon Rucker, after Mike Allen <laughs> resigned. Well, yeah, the Republican yeah. resigned in a, in a sexual uh, – uh, huge sex scandal in his own office with Rebecca Collins. He was able to win again as a write-in. And there was some discussion about what had happened in Columbus, but it really wasn't covered in the papers. If you look in other papers around the state, which I used to do pretty regularly – go down to Fountain News and get copies of the newspapers from around the state on a regular basis or go to the library and look at them, they covered Dieters pretty heavily. Now, I thought that might change when Gannett bought the Dispatch, and that's only now, what, two or three years old. You see more Columbus coverage now. And, and the Inquirer has a Columbus Bureau, and there have been very good reporters. I forget who the uh, person who's up there in Columbus now. And I wonder if they – I mean, I'm a subscriber, and I can't even think if they, they – I think I'm pretty sure they have a Columbus Bureau person. But it's just – Columbus has never been a big deal around here, and I think that's really unfortunate. It's something that I strive to change, uh, you know, with my in my own little way with love and local news. Is is I've talked to the Associated Press about uh, adding AP coverage to our site, but because nobody knows what's going on at the state level, so I think people do care about it. There's definitely uh, some FBI agents who care about it. There's <laughs> definitely a, a, a U.S. Uh, attorney that cares about it, and there are uh, there's a, a judge, a U.S. federal judge that cares about it a lot too. And he's in deep trouble. It, it appears, I mean, innocent until proven guilty. But sometimes you have a pretty good, I mean, and you know, the U.S. attorneys don't generally just sort of no try cases <laughs> to see maybe if they'll find uh, find them guilty or innocent. They usually pretty much have it all locked up before. Um, before they take something to trial, especially something as high profile as this. Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, no, this is in my entire career, I've never seen a, uh, a bribery scandal with this kind of money behind it. Pam, let me ask you about something in your own backyard here. There's, um, what's the term you always use? Uh, ten, tendrils, or there's, there's tentacles. Uh, tentacles, thank you, <laughs> that are all over the place. And something that has seemingly gotten no coverage whatsoever is the fact that. Former state representative, former U.S. representative, Gene Schmidt, who over in Claremont County just had a very, very tough Republican primary that she wasn't even endorsed by the county party, just made her way through. But she made her way through because Larry Householder gave her an incredible amount of money. Incredible. Right. And this was a primary race. And against so, against and, Republicans. And, and that's one of my, my questions as to why a news a, a, a journalist wouldn't be a little bit intrigued by this. Because here you have a $61 million bribery scandal where basically the plan was is to create this what you want to call team householder so that he could be the speaker so that then you could put push through legislative um, actions that would help the very people that were funding them. I don't know why any journalist would not look into the whole Gene Schmidt connection because I don't know Gene Schmidt. I have I don't even think I've ever really spoken to Gene Gene Schmidt, but she already has ethical issues. Mm -hmm. She had ethical problems. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I actually think when she was in the House of Representatives, wasn't she oh, investigated? I she was and or, then yeah. she was, yeah. No. Mm -hmm. So the point is, is that this is a woman who clearly already has a track record of maybe not doing the most proper of things. Then all of a sudden she comes back and now wants to be the state legislature, is now backed by a guy who, why are you backing Gene Schmidt? Number well, one, but number two, when we say that there was money that was spent on her campaign, and I think I told you this, and I kept them. I am not. I live in Claremont County, 
every other day during this whole primary season, every other day, I got these slick, very expensive they were attack ads pieces, and stuff yeah. that are attack pieces against the people who were running against her. And I just, okay. everything about that just... It was like, okay, wait a minute, what in the world is going on here? And why is it so important that Householder would spend all that money that he wants Gene Schmidt in that seat? Why? Well, and this this goes to the kind of the representation issue I think we have here in Cincinnati. And Joe, you might be right. Maybe we just don't even care. I want to go back to something when uh, Joe was talking about kind of the history and of Cincinnati and all of that kind of stuff. The truth of the matter is, is that the city of Cincinnati was for a very long time, considered kind of a conservative kind of place. The reason it was is because it was because of our business space. Because businesses in general, number one, they're entrepreneurial. They don't want lots of lo- they don't want lots of government interference, bureaucracy, all of those kind of things. And so those are in principle, very kind of conservative kind of principles. When you use examples like Youngstown and up in the Cleveland area, those were more manufacturing, more blue collar, very strong more union, town, union yes. towns, yeah. which tend to be more on the Democrat liberal side because they're more government influenced. So there's a re- there's a reason why Cincinnati was always kind of the focus has always been on Cincinnati. You also have to remember too that the city of Cincinnati has a huge budget. It's over a billion dollars. And the state budget is $34 billion. Look at that in the sense of that's why there's a lot of media attention to it. So I can kind of understand some of that. The thing is, over time, though, we've moved more and more away from the business base or the philosophy of government, leave me alone kind of thing, to now everybody wants government to help. Well, and I'll, I'll get and to so the locals. Yeah, yeah, that to me is yeah. why kind of the politics are shifting a bit. And I think that that's important. The thing is... It's important, two things that I want to make sure is conveyed in this podcast. One, we have to pay attention to who our representatives are. Who in the hell are we sending up to Columbus? Okay. And that is why, and that is why you have to pay attention to people like Jean Schmidt. She already has an awful ethical track record. Why in the world am I sending her back up to Columbus? That is just absurd to me. I think you can clearly see I am not voting for Gene no, Schmidt. No. <laughs> um, but the second thing I think is important, too, is that why the media spends all this time on city politics, if we've learned one thing from this whole pandemic and the, and the whole COVID issue, is how important Columbus is to us. Because they've made tons and tons of decisions that are coming down from the state that we've never paid any attention to, the media has never paid any attention to, that all of a sudden now is affecting our daily lives. So it is extremely important that we get our head out of our kind of the sand over here and always talking about whatever we're talking about downtown, the streetcar, the Bengals, whatever the heck it is. We need to start paying attention to who in the world we're sending to Columbus. Well, and so that's that's where I wanted to talk about the representation issue. If you look at the leadership, and I'll, I'll do both parties here, but I'll start with the Republicans. If you look at the leadership up in Columbus, Bill Seitz, local politician, long time, he's been to the House, well, Senate. Well-respected. Yeah, well-respected, mm-hmm. and I'm going to bring that up in by a minute. Both why, side, by both sides. Yeah, why, I'm going to bring up in a minute why I think he's well-respected. He is the fo- the floor leader for the majority. That's kind of a ceremonial job. I mean, he does dictate the legislation that gets brought to the floor, but again, he's told that by the Speaker. 
It's so it's more that's given to him as a respect, but every other leadership position, they're all central uh, Ohio Republicans. This is a problem with Larry Householder is he has a very rural district. I, I don't have my facts completely in front of me, but I'll tell you right now. Bill Seitz probably represents twice as many people as Larry Householder does. Could be. Overall. Larry Householder has a lot of land in his district, but it's very, very spread out. Bill Seitz has a lot of people close together. On the Democrat side, you see a similar issue, except it's all Cleveland and Toledo Democrats. Uh, Cecil Thomas is the assistant minority leader in the House. But it's it's not just Republicans and Democrats, but I was saying what I was going to go to what you were saying, Pam, is that... What happens is things like the gas tax or things like House Bill 6 or these types of things really hurt the cities more than it hurts these rural districts. Obviously, most of the gas tax is coming from here. And then people like former Speaker Household or even current Speaker Cup, they don't have to answer to a lot of voters. They never have Democrats running against them. They never get primaried. So when they're in power, they're making decisions for that are, affect us, like taking away the local fund. Do they make really good speakers but no that's the problem is i think the problem politically is that, they do well but i think the problem is they're not accountable to the voters at all but so they they believe not, their dogma they well, go so they're not going to say that but that would be a really positive if you're politically thinking like well so this guy can do whatever and he's not going to get unelected he's going to always win i think term. that's how you get a 61 million dollar yeah, bribery absolutely. scandal you know and, and even in a time of term limits go figure can still get a 61 million dollar bribe because he came back with this oh good lord that you talk about that term limit bill that thing was a joke but they have term limits now though. <laughs> no, no, no but it no, was but, a joke but it's a joke yeah well, because years. what it no no what no, no, it no. Is, but no you take eight years you, you take two years yeah, off you get you, another eight or, years right, no, <laughs> wait a minute yeah. or you go and you can be uh, a senator and then you're term limited out there so then you can run as the representative and then you can run the following year for your senate seat again the whole thing's a joke that's not a term for anyone to sit there for any legislature to sit there and say well we have term limits that thing was a joke I, I Sorry. No, no. You, you. We could have done a whole podcast on that. I can't. I can't wait when we're doing this podcast in about four years when John Cranley's coming back to run for the mayor of Cincinnati <laughs> after yeah. he's had his few years or, off. You know, but you know, you make a good point though about the fact that is that you know a lot of the like householder and now cup they come from those smaller or more spread out kind of districts, and then you look at people because we have two very competitive seats. Coming up here in the November election, you've got Brinkman's seat. Tom, Tom Brinkman. Tom Brinkman. And then you've got the Chris Monzel and what's her name? Miranda. I think her name's Jessica Miranda. Miranda. Yeah. Jessica Miranda. Yeah. Uh, anyway, who won by 56 votes. So that is an extremely, going to yeah. be an extremely competitive race. But Especially going this year. To, but yeah. going to your point, though, is that these guys who are from, from more of the rural kind of areas, I actually said that word right. <laughs> oh my gosh there's an old there's an old 30 rock where the name of the book was the rural juror and no one could say it correctly. <laughs> but the point is is that they don't have the same pressure on them for representation or to hold on to their seats as people like tom brinkman or someone like chris munzel who wants to obviously take over the seat from from miranda because it's much more suburban it's much more populated and I don't know that for a fact because I don't have numbers in front of me, but I'm assuming oh, yeah, yeah. pretty much that What we do not, know is the population. We know the district geographically smaller because there's more people in that smaller space. Whereas when you go to the central Ohio districts, 
they look like the proverbial snake or they're, yeah. they're all kind of all over the place. So that is, it's a good point because if you think about it, our government is supposed to be what, you know, of, by, and for the people. And we're supposed to be able to have representation and it makes you kind of wonder well, and that's what, why whether I, we do, I don't know. Right. And that's why I go back to this idea of the dogma. And this is where I want to bring in the gain of five or Cincinnati City Hall is, look, P.G. Sittenfeld, he doesn't need to worry about bringing people together. He's got all the money in the world to run all the ads. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you my whole career, I'd never seen a city council anywhere. And I've lived in big cities running ads on TV until I saw P.G. Sittenfeld doing it. So he has all the money in the world to do. And then other people like Chris Seelbach and them, Tamaya Denard, ride their coattails. And they don't have to be accountable to the voters either. Now, I think the scandals are different, but look at what they do. I mean, yes, Householder takes this huge bribe. They're violating the sunshine laws because they feel like, you know what? No one's ever going to go so against I, us. Gonna, okay. And, there was no, some, and okay. there's really, at the end of the day, no accountability here. Well, what were you going to say, no, Jeff? I'm sorry, Joe. So I'm going to say, no, it's okay. There's, um, I take a little bit of, of, of uh, what's the word? I'm like, a little, disagreement. A disagreement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pick a little bit. Because the city of Cincinnati is a field race. Okay, so. They're not running in districts, and I know that there's a, it's a kind of a Republican dream in this town to have districts. I think it'll never happen, and I'm not totally in disagreement that it should not happen. I think it, it's actually a pretty decent. Oh, I think districts are great, but anyways, go ahead. Well, but yeah, I don't think it'll ever happen because it, it'll it'll allow I think for more Republicans on the council, and um, Democrats won't do that. More, uh, you know, five four votes on the city council I think would be wonderful, but we're not we're not going to get that. So I instead, thought, we have five Democrats arguing with the Democratic always, mayor. Wait, yeah. wait so, a second, so time you, out here for a moment. <laughs> I always thought that people wanted everything to be seven zero. At least they do in Loveland instead of four three. Oh, sorry, suburban. We suburban, digress. Suburban city councils don't count. <laughs> They're not real. They're not real city councils. They affect you more than you can imagine. Yeah, unfortunately. They raise your water rates. Yeah, right. <laughs> or their revenues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so uh, go ahead, Joe. But go no, ahead. so uh, I think because it's a field race, I think that they are accountable because I think what, you know, I'm trying to think how many people ran for city council last time, 18 mm-hmm. for, for nine slots plus a mayor who is the only one who's, um, see, what's in a, what's not, what is it when it's not a field race? It's a, Mayor doesn't run in a field. Oh, it's a partisan race. It's a partisan, not partisan race it's because it's direct election. It's like a direct, yeah. The mayor's directly elected, yeah. and and it's a you know one versus the other. And so. you can have a Democrat, yeah, a and you can have a Democrat and a Democrat running. Yeah, which is a bizarre primary process. Yeah, it's a very strange. I agree that it is kind of strange. But that was also done on purpose too, right? Yeah, yes. that was you know Jeff Birding masterminded all that stuff uh, prior to Mark Mallory and Charlie Lucan being the first directly elected. But yeah. anyway, that so that goes back and. So I think that there uh, there's more accountability for somebody on city council because there's lots of other Democrats who are coming up and want to do it. Now, PG won because he is a hard worker. And, um, he had he, a lot of money. He had a lot money of money. Helps. But, look, but, yeah. but I don't, I, I, you know, and, and I'm not a PG, yeah. you know, apologist or fan necessarily. I'm not a – I don't dislike him either. But here's the thing about PG. PG's got charisma to spare. Mm-hmm. So if you ever met PG and if you're a voter, he is going to make you feel – you know, like another politician we know, Bill Clinton, he made everybody feel special when he met him, and people felt like you you were his friend after they left. If you met Bill Clinton for five minutes, you're like, oh yeah, Bill and I are buddies now, right? And he may forget your name in ten minutes, but you know that's the way that hey. PG is very good at that. People that run for city council in a field race, there it, it is essentially a popularity contest. So people that are, are you know that 
people like Roxanne Qualls does really well. Mark Mallory did really well. And I don't, Mark has got a great personality. His governing, you know, you can pick that apart if you want to, but he's got a great personality. People enjoyed him. He, they enjoyed being around him. He's a very easy person to be around. Then there's other issues like Chris Seelbach. He made his homosexuality a, a major part of his campaign, and he became the first openly gay person to be elected to city council. And then he won again on name recognition. His effectiveness as a council member is questionable. Well, so, yeah. but, but his name's out there once that happens. So I think it's not that they don't have any accountability because people get knocked off. Lori Quinlivan is a great example of somebody who, you know, and Lori is a friend, but, but you know, no, people told me yeah. they couldn't stand Lori Quinlivan's personality when she got on council. And she's a very brusque investigative reporter type person who takes no BS from anybody. And you have to take some BS from people if you're a politician. And I don't know if she got that. So she. Well, but she this lost. is what this is what I'm going to say though, because I understand everything you're saying, but this is very very important. We talk about the stuff with Householder, and a lot of people are getting on the Republicans around Ohio for him basically keeping his seat. Let's look at this more locally though. Tamaya Denard was also just indicted on the bribery scandal. Oh no, it's horrible. And she was PG Sittenfeld's campaign manager, sure. chief of staff and protege, and PG seems to have nobody talks about that. Nobody at all. So this is what I mean, I don't think there's an accountability because they don't have to be accountable. Sittenfeld knows that as long as he continues to prime the well I mean, uh, we could yeah. talk about Jamie Schwartz and Steve Shabbat, uh -huh. this plus, well, you know, and or his son-in-law who got two hundred thousand dollars to make a GoDaddy website. Oh, I mean, come on. So, Pam, so why no is every politician in this town corrupt as? <laughs> well, Maybe it, that's it, a question. <laughs> Are we the new Chicago? No, I, <laughs> no, I, I think well, there's not a Ryan, lot. Ryan, it's it's and I think or I, new Detroit. And I think I, I think I sent you this in uh, a text the other day. Is that power corrupts? Lord Acton said power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is all about. It's P O W E R power. And the problem yeah. is, is that we as the voters, and it doesn't matter where we are, we don't really seem to care. We really, honestly, this is why, in my opinion, this is why our political system is in the frickin' mess that it's in. It's because we have all just stood on the sidelines and half of us don't vote and then complain about things. We don't go to meetings. We don't get involved. And then when things do happen, we never hold anybody accountable because, oh, well, you know, PG is, you Peter know. Peter George. I know. Yes, right. But PG, you know, I've met him. It's actually him. George I've, Peter, I think. Yes, I've yes, met right. him, and he is, I'm, I, I haven't mm -hmm. met him. But my point is, is what the response is, is, well, you know, I've met him, and he's very charming, That's and right. he's this. And so, okay, well, I guess that you're corrupt is okay, well, as I, long as you're charming. Let me talk about somebody who I was always had great conversations with when she was in the U.S. House of Representatives and I had a lobbyer was Jean Schmidt. <laughs> Every time. I mean, I'll never forget. Her office had this, uh, had a big picture of Ohio and had all the presidents from Ohio and she's very proud of that and she was always a very, very warm person to talk and to. And always I know most wearing people, her red, white, and blue. Oh, yeah. And I know people are listening to me saying this going, Ryan, you are insane. <laughs> I go, no, she was always pleasant. I had very, very uh, rough rough times when uh, John Boehner was minority leader. He's the nicest guy on the planet. My point is, you're a politician for the most part, uh, especially a politician as you're going as big, you're going to be a charming person. Yeah. But if, I want to get elected. Yes. I want to go back to Bill Seitzer and yeah. saying, because another reason I want to talk about this is 
there's a lot of rumors out there. And these are very good rumors. And I trust the people that tell me this stuff that Bill Seitz is going to make a run for the speakership. He should. And he absolutely should. Because I think it's time we here in Cincinnati, this region, we get some damn representation up yeah, in Columbus. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually think that's a good thing, too. And yes, and if he won, that He's would be... a smart that guy would be, who works on both sides of the that, aisle. That would be very beneficial to our area down here. Yeah, and I mean, I don't I, I, So I encourage that. If that's something he, he's thinking about doing, I, I absolutely 100% agree with that. So, gosh, wow. Good. No, I hadn't heard that, so no, I think that's great. No, and it, I, look, hey, I know how these things go. And again, we talk about with Gene Schmidt, Householder was shoring up his team. Well, and- I want to I stay on Householder for one moment, too, because here's the thing that's the other thing that's really bugging me, too. Why does he still have his seat? And this is not just a Republican issue. This is, a, as far as I am concerned, every one of those elected representatives over there Every single day, all of them together should be demanding that he step down. And if you can't get him to do the honorable thing, which, hello, you're talking to a guy who just took a $61 million (laughs) bribe. The other point is, is that there must be a mechanism to remove it. Because to me, that entire thing is a joke that he still has his seat. That's reprehensible. The only way he can stay in power is if the Republicans keep him there. That's what and I'm I guess saying. Any yeah. it but that's what I'm again, saying is, is this anyway. is what I'm saying about the people who we elect to represent our interests. Well, people don't care. I mean, well, they, they count but that. that's why we're here. And, and, but they, they need to the media, because so we, this is why we get in the crap that we get. And it's why we get the crap people that we get. It's why everybody is losing their collective mind because they don't like who the candidates are. Well, wake up, people. It's our fault. It's our fault. It's well, the I, voters' fault. And, and most people don't care. You know, it's like, you know. I, well, I care. <laughs> well, you care. But like, as I mentioned to you said last night, I said, you're just, you know, you're a politics nerd, right? So that's why people care. I mean, that's why you care, because you care about this stuff. And I care about this stuff. And Ryan cares about this stuff. I don't think it's really necessarily politics nerd anymore. I, I would agree with you for a while ago when government wasn't intruding in every single part of our life. But government is now seeped into almost every single part of our life. Yeah, no when you can sit there and you can close some, some stupid politician, can close your business down, you are no longer in control of, of what you are doing because uh, some stupid politician is telling you, well, you can't cut hair because of la, 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 and then these are the rules and regulations. Or I can't serve a drink after 10 p.m. <laughs> well, that, that's this is stupid. And no, I no, here this is great. here. I don't I'm gonna, think that was stupid at all. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little cover on here, Pam, because I do agree with this. This is this is I go back to the idea, and I know you don't totally agree with me on this, Joe. That people like Larry Householder and people like PG Sittenfeld don't have to be accountable to the voters. And again, I'm gonna repeat this. What PG Sittenfeld did is not on the same scale what Larry Householder did, but it goes to my point is that. They can now just be dogmatic. And this is why Bill Seitz would make a great speaker, because this guy has to play politics. And Pam, I think what you're talking about is a day where people had to play politics. There's the old legends of Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan yelling at each other on different TV shows, and then at the end of the day, having a drink together. Sure. And, and it seems so antiquated that that's the way it used to be. Or John Boehner and Barack Obama got along. Mm-hmm. Politically, they were just not on the same things, but both men 
respected each other. And they played that. We are at a point, though, now where we have politicians that believe they they believe they're king like they're godlike that they know better than we do now we you have know, a we, politician who's like that well no we, this is this is trust me on this one this is infecting all of our politics well i believe that there there's been license given to them by this but i think there's about to be and maybe an overcorrection um, maybe and, and when, that's the point though is this where we're heading and people care because obviously, I think what 100, you know, 84 million people watched the the debate in 2016 between Donald Trump and and and, uh, and Hillary Clinton. I think last night it's going to be 100 million plus. But I think I think after 20 minutes, that probably went down to 10 people. Yeah, well, I watched the whole thing. <laughs> I watched it was glued to it, and I was just yeah. But I think that um, people do care when it's sort of thrown in their face, and then the president does it. And I was going to say to go back to an earlier point, and I, I'm sort of in, embarrassed I didn't mention this. Not somebody. I, I don't like to defend the media. I don't like to beg on the media. And one of the big things I think the reason we don't, I think what I said is true. Is that, you know, there's a historical uh, historically in Cincinnati we've not covered Columbus very well as a, the media when the media was at full strength 20 years ago right. plus, and now they can't do it because you know even though Gannett now owns the Columbus Dispatch, which has been known for keeping a very good job, being very good watchdogs on the state house across the street from their newsroom, they hopefully we're going to pick up more of their stories in the Cincinnati paper. But people don't consume the media anymore. The inquiry, you know, no, even people don't pay for the inquiry. They don't get the inquiry in their, their driveway, which, you know, whatever. They don't get it on their phones. They, they get their news from Facebook. And it's, you know. They get their news from us. They get the news. That's why we're well, they get, yeah, that's why it's important mm-hmm. to have shows like this, too. But there's no offense to backyard politics, but there's a thousand shows like this. Mm-hmm. There's a hundred thousand shows like there's this. There's not a single show like this in this region, though. That's true, which isn't good. And, uh, and yeah. I hope people listen to it. And mm-hmm. and I appreciate you listen, for listening, but it's a it's a start. It's a start, and hopefully it takes off. But people don't know what's going on because they're not being told. And the politicians don't mind that at all. They are thrilled that there's nobody watching the hen house there. They're thrilled. But now, and that's this is kind of a good way to wrap this conversation up. But people are watching now. I mean, number one, what the COVID crisis has given us is time. But when you see $61 million, when you see those texts and uh, colleagues talking about somebody they don't agree with politically and denigrating his dying wife, I mean, nobody likes that. Nope. I guess what I'm saying, and Pam, I mean, I know, I know you agree with me on this. Is we have to keep beating the drum. We have to keep showing this to people because, in the end, regardless of what my political beliefs are, I want to know the person that's representing me is not going to rip me off. <laughs> that's well. Just, that's why you have to pay attention to who you're voting for. And at the end of the so day, the bar pretty high there. I'll tell you. At, <laughs> at the end of the day, what you have to you have to remember is that you really need to, as a voter, you need to pay attention to what the policies are going to be. And less about what the personality of that particular person is. I guess what I'm saying is I'm tired of being overtaxed with less representation. Because, guys, this is the long and the short of it. That gas tax hurts us a hell of a lot more than it hurts people over in Gallia County <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Well, I, and I agree with you. I mean, because I'm a small government girl, so I wish that people would stop relying on the government and understand that the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. All right. Well, yep. Pam, people want to find you and discuss all your small government ideas. Where well, they find you. <laughs> if, uh, yeah, our company is Ion Community, and it's IonCommunity.com, and you can go there and you can find our family of shows. Obviously, the one we just did, Backyard Politics. If you're interested in Loveland, we have Ion Loveland. 
And then we also have High Heels in Politics, where we interview the leaders of Southwest Ohio. If you want to follow me on Twitter personally, I can be found at, at Loveland Pam. And if you want to send me an email, you can send me an email at Pam at ioncommunity.com. And that's I like eyeball. Eyeball. Yep. Right. E-Y-E. All right, Joe. People are going to come at you and hear your Bill Clinton defenses. Yes, sure. (laughs) You can find me at P.O. Box 136, Loveland, Ohio, 45140. That's all I'm saying this time. You got to send me a letter. Okay. Let's hope the mail system works and gets it to you. We'll see your letter in about eight days. All right, guys. Thanks again. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you listening. All right, I do have to say that that conversation was uh, not as not as heated as our last one, but you could tell in there that uh, this. Hey, I'm going to say this. This is what I love about Pam and Joe is they're both incredibly knowledgeable. They both are very very solid in what they believe in. They both know. Uh, I mean, I just said they're knowledgeable, but I have to say it again. They do know a lot, and they don't uh, they don't take anything from the other one. They're going to definitely get their points of view, and I do appreciate that very much. There was something that I said in the podcast I do want to correct here. I said that Cecil Thomas, a Cincinnati legislator up in Columbus, that he was the assistant minority leader in the House. He is actually the assistant minority leader in the Senate. I did want to clear that up there. Out of that, hey, this is the long and the short of it. And I think all three of us could agree. I think everybody out there could agree. We don't want corrupt politicians, but maybe we've just accepted that fact. It shows like this that is appealing to you guys out there that we should not accept it anymore. This is not a strictly party issue. Okay, again, I said at the top that I've been in this business for, for a long, long time, and I've seen this corruption, and it's, it, I'm not going to both sides this, but it's something that needs to be purged, not out of one party or the other. It needs to be purged out of our political system, and it gets purged by us caring and talking about it. And guys, you might have to go to that polling location and you might feel you can only vote for one party, but maybe you can't or maybe you should not vote for those people that are corrupt because here's what it comes down to in the end. As you continue to empower them, then your party, your ideals, they lose grav- they lose any gravitas, they lose any appeal to somebody who is just learning about you because if you're going to protect the corruption, then your party, that you don't stand for America, you stand for your party. And that needs to stop. I'm also going to make another appeal here. Guys, vote. Like I said, voter registration is probably done by the time you listen to this podcast. If you happen to be listening to it right when it goes out, you have one more day, October 5th, Monday, to get registered. But once you are registered, vote. Have a voting plan. You can vote in person at your board of elections. You can Request an absentee ballot. We talked about that on the last show. You can do that and get it mailed in. If you are going to do that, get it mailed in now. Do not wait until the last two weeks of October. Just do not. Get it in now. Or the polls will be open on Election Day. The state of Ohio, the Secretary of State, has said they are going to do everything they can to keep things as safe as possible. But guys, this is so important. You need to vote. We keep looking at one side and saying they're all corrupt, and the other side says the other side's corrupt. Guys, this is a problem, and we are the ones that are are making it a problem because we're either not voting or just not paying attention who we vote for. I just cannot stress that enough. You need to get out and vote. In upcoming episodes, we're going to talk a little bit more about how Ohio fits into the national election and how Hamilton County, Claremont County, Warren County, Butler, all that, even Northern Kentucky to a point, how does this all fit? and what's important for us. And I encourage you guys to come along for the ride. Now, if you want to be on the roundtable, you want us to discuss a particular topic, 
or you want to tell me just how great we're doing here, because that's or yeah, if you have other opinions, that too. Email me, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at Ion Community. That's E-Y-E-C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y dot com. Please send me an email. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm the Loveland Tadler. That's what I do. That's where you guys can follow me. And I talk about all sorts of stuff, not just Loveland. I love to talk about the Bengals and the Reds, too. So, and hey, I have to make a shout out the day this podcast goes up. Joe Burrow, first win, Cincinnati Bengals. Better than we were a year ago at this time. So I thank you guys for taking this journey with us. I appreciate it so much. And do get involved with this. Come to Ion Community. Email me. Do whatever. Put a sign up. Knock on your neighbor's door. Well, I don't even want to do that. But ask your neighbor's friends. Just make sure everyone votes. Let's keep this American dream going. Thank you again. And we'll talk to you next time.